0: Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are our king, the risen Lord, and we celebrate you this morning. Open our hearts, Lord, that we might hear from you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Please be seated. I forgot to mention this uh, at the beginning, but we also have activity packs back there, so my kids, everyone's kids, if you need an activity pack, adults, adults. If you need an activity pack, they're just right back there. They're very easy to find. I see three adults going, two adults going (laughs) for the activity packs. (laughs) So our passage begins, our gospel passage begins. On the first day, she came to the tomb early while it was still dark. There are three references to time here in that one single verse. On the first day, she came early while it was still dark. In other words, John, our gospel writer, he's trying to tell us something here. Dawn is about to break. A new beginning is at hand. Time itself is about to change. And this is when Mary the one they call the Magdalene comes, or Magdalene comes to the tomb. Now they say that Jesus had cast seven demons out of this woman. Seven demons. And I don't know how these demons would have come into her. Maybe she had her own addictions that she struggled with that led her down this road. Or maybe these were the side effects of some abuse or something like that in her past. You see, demons love to prey on the weak and the vulnerable. She had seven demons within her. And this would have caused her to be unclean. She would have been ostracized from society, not welcome in church, and avoided by her neighbors. That is, until Jesus found her and delivered her from the evils which plagued her life. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd. And he always finds the lost sheep. And he bandages their wounds. And that is when Mary became his friend, and he was her teacher. And so now she comes to the grave to weep over her friend. And it's dark, and it's early, and it's the first day. Now those of us who've lost a loved one, we know a little bit of that feeling of of what Mary was, was going through that morning. Maybe after the loss of a loved one, you've had dreams of this person. Maybe you've had moments in which you've, you've rehearsed in your mind conversations that either you've already had with this person or conversations that you wish you had had, things that you wish you could apologize for or questions about why they did certain things. And so maybe you've also visited the grave of a loved one, wanting to pay your respects to them. But also maybe perhaps wanting something to happen. Wanting to be reminded of them in some sort of mysterious, supernatural, real but tangible sort of way. You see, I think that nearly all of us, especially if we've walked this life a little while, we know exactly what Mary feels, to be let down by death itself. Well, do you know what Mary discovered that day as she went to the tomb? Like some sort of sick joke, the stone is actually rolled away. Can you imagine that? First, she's seen her Messiah, her Lord, crucified. Uh, He died a death that was most shameful. And now she fears that maybe someone is actually tampering with the body. And so now she's just wrestling with these these feelings of sadness, regret, and fear, but then also anger and frustration. Who would do something like this? Well, then our text leads us through a, a flurry of events. Mary runs to go tell Peter and John. They come back to the tomb. They gaze and look into the tomb for themselves. And they're just as bewildered as she is. Their curiosity is obviously piqued. But these two men, they go back home, don't they? Perhaps they put a pot of coffee on the stove and they need to think these things through like good rational men, right? But Mary, she stays And she weeps. She stays and she weeps. And this is when the morning sun is about to rise. Why are you weeping, says the angel. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Mary doesn't quite recognize the angel? Who can blame her, right? Her eyes are probably clouded over with tears. Her heart is probably like a washing machine with all these emotions just barreling through her. And she says to the angel, She says, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. You can hear the brokenness in her words. In other words, she seems to be saying, his body belongs here, and it's not here anymore. Where is it? And then the question comes a second time. Woman, why are you weeping? But this time, the question comes from a different voice. A different voice, but still... She doesn't recognize the voice, does she? She still is confused by this. And she still says, Sir, if you know where they've placed the body, please tell me. Don't desecrate it. Don't hide it. We need to take care of the body properly. And then the voice speaks again. Mary, she hears. Mary. You see, the good shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by name. And his sheep knows his voice. In this one word, her entire life changes. She immediately recognizes the voice this time. It's the voice that she's heard a million times. It's the voice that's called her out of darkness. It's the voice that's freed her from the oppression of evil. This is the voice that's given her dignity to her life. It's the voice of one who died and now stands in front of her. Mary, says Jesus. And she turns. And in this turn, her weeping is transformed into recognition and joy. And it's not just her heart that's transformed in that moment. Time itself is reoriented. The darkness of night breaks forth into glorious day. This is the first day of first days. As Mary turns, our calendars move from B.C. to A.D., Before we see a woman who's weeping in the deepest of human despair, and now we see someone shouting with loud laughter. The man who has died is risen again. And she wraps her arms around him and holds him tightly. But then Jesus commissions her. He sort of laughs with this childlike laughter. You can almost hear it coming out of the passage. He says, Mary, you can't hold on to me forever. I wonder how tight she was holding on to him to where he said something like this. And so Jesus tells her, go, go and tell my brothers. He doesn't say go and tell the disciples. Don't tell those guys who are hiding off in their homes right now. No, go and tell my brothers. Go and tell them that I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. You see, we need to know the gravity of this situation because what Jesus is saying here is absolutely massive. One of the reasons why Jesus is unique in human history is because he claimed to have an intimate relationship with God the Father. No one else in ancient history had talked about God in this, some, in this sort of way. And even to this day, there are world religions that say it's absolute heresy to call God your Father. But this is an absolutely essential way to understand Jesus and who he is. But what's even more remarkable is what he's saying to Mary in this moment. Mary and the disciples, and you and me, we are adopted into this family of God. We have the same relationship to the Father as Jesus Christ does now. We have been adopted into his family. In other words, the payment of sin has been paid at the cross. Guilt haunts us no longer, and we are called children of God. Praise the Lord, right? We are to be called children of God. So the gospel writers, um, usually they call Mary Mary Magdalene, but sometimes they just love to call her the Magdalene. Now, the first meaning of this is probably just the city that that she's coming from. But that word also in Hebrew and also Aramaic means tower. The Magdalene is what the gospel writers love to call her. I wonder what Mary's reputation was like after the resurrection. Just this absolute tower of faith amongst that early community of believers. You see, she was the one who Jesus first appeared to there at the tomb. She was the one who Jesus trusted the message to to go and tell the disciples. She was the first evangelist. The tower is what Jesus calls her, or and in the, in the church calls her. So Jesus is calling out your name this morning as well. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and he calls them by name. Maybe for some of you, this season of Lent has brought some things to the surface of your mind and your hearts, and Jesus is calling you to lay them down at the foot of the cross. Or maybe Jesus knows that you've been crying in the graveyard for far too many years, surrounded by darkness and doubt. And Jesus simply wants to make his presence known to you. He simply wants to bring you into the warmth of his embrace. So friends, how is Jesus calling you this morning? For some of you, maybe you've heard his voice before. Maybe you've walked with him before. But for whatever reason, that voice has grown dim. Perhaps you've even gazed into the tomb and then gone back home to make some coffee. And maybe you're like a friend of mine who recently said, I have missed Jesus and it is just time to come back home. Well, friends, I invite you to come, to come and be a part of this family. And we're certainly not a perfect family. As one of my friends used to say, we're not a museum of saints here, but we're a hospital of sinners. There's a reason why this church is called Restoration. It's because there's a lot of work to do, both in my heart and the hearts of a lot of us, to be quite honest. But this is a family. This is a place where truth and where beauty are pursued. This is a place where wounds are bandaged, where people's sight is restored. A place where Jesus commissions us to go out into the world and tell people about the risen Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.